Hey, coconuts, there is one question that went through my head while I was exploring today's content, right? Which is, are women still actually disadvantaged? I mean, we have been on this journey for a while, all the movement towards equality, and that includes all facets, right? Even in financials like pay, insurance, investments, and all that jazz. We have done quite a few episodes of women-centric topics. And I want to give a shout out to all the men in the house. You know, you know, you think it's not for you, but it takes two hands to clap. And you should try to understand the other side, the other perspective. And today, we're going to focus on women learning investments. Apparently, when women explore investments, based on our guests, she said that there's difference when women invest and when men invest, it is fundamentally different. And also the infamous pink wrapper where service provider you know, kind of womanize everything and charge a premium for their service. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another Chill Safety FC session. In this series, we hope to bring out interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape around the thinker. So in our pursuit of the life we love or managing our finances, well, our guest for today has been a champion for empowering women financially and is the founder of one of the largest women-centric personal finance websites out there. Today, okay, while she has went through the whole journey and is now doing something different, she brings on a lot of experience in trying to empower women from, you know, the very, very ground all the way up to become more financially savvy. So let me welcome Anna from the new savvy. The first question that I really want to dig out from you, right, is that are women still being discriminated? You know, I don't think women is discriminated. I think there's a few levels to it, right? The first is that I think women have always been overlooked. I mean, it's not even in finance, in most things, even product designs, right? Because most of the people that are doing this or designing products, for example, are men. So for example, if you take a look at certain things at doors, for example, some doors are very heavy because it's designed by engineers who are men, male engineers. So they don't realize how difficult it is for women. So even small things like that are not being considered. In a lot of companies, for example, there is no room for breastfeeding mums or mum who need to pump breast milk, right? Because you just don't think about it if you're not a mum. So things are slowly changing. So I don't think they're discriminated. I think it's a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, but things are slowly changing. But to say that we have reached the pinnacle of, you know, uh, of equality or of women being the same as men, I don't think so. Even when you first started the new savvy, you feel like women was never like financially discriminated? Uh, no, of course. Like the when whole I gender first... pay gap, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. No, when I first started, I, I was trying to raise money, try, trying to raise funding, right? And I spoke to a lot of investors and, you know, I remember a few investors telling me, why do you want to start for women? You're just, this is career suicide, right? Because in the first place... <laughs> <laughs> no, you they see, really told you that. Well, in in those maybe no, not in those terms. It's six years ago, a bit mm. hazy. Um, but to them, it's like the people who are interested in finance are male. Fifty percent of the population. Mm. You're already cutting out that fifty percent, and mm. 
you know, and women are just not interested, you know. And re- actually, the funny thing is recently I just spoke to somebody about it. And he told me, you know, six years ago or five years ago, when you spoke to me, I thought that this is a silly idea, right? Now I think it's a, a good idea. And he said, it's just like saying how you look at a problem, whether you see it as a non-existent problem or an opportunity, right? Mm. And I think um, I think financial institutions have improved. A lot of products are actually targeted at women, aimed at women. But I also feel that it shouldn't just be a wrapper for women, right? It shouldn't just be, oh, you're a woman, I put a pink or red color on it. You know, it should be something that women actually identify with and need to use. What do you think have changed <laughs> since you started all the way to now? Okay, my, where I'm coming yeah. from is... Okay. <laughs> You're not a woman. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, this one, I, I have scared in my career also. Yeah. So I'm very conscious that some women still feel discriminated and I recognize that. Mm. But I don't know if it's still a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know because like we're, we're having a lot of ladies in, in different, mm. different sector and, you know, all all the kind of gender pay gap stuff. I, I don't know if it's, if it's still there. You know, so stats is stats. Yep. Experience is another thing. So I want to hear your perspective. Is, is there still this kind of disparate, you know? I I think, uh, I think what you're saying is a few issues, right? Gender pay gap, I think there still is, you know, we can't change history in say five years. So there is still, right? But also as an employer, sometimes you need to take a step back and wonder, uh, you know, and really think why, right? I'm not saying that it should be that way, but there are people who, there are women who actually take, you know, say some time off for childbirth then how do you compensate them and how do you make sure that when they come back, do they actually, I mean, these are perpetual questions, right? Do they, if they come back five years later, you know, is a company supposed to pay them the same as a man who's, who remained and worked these five years? You see, so so all this there is. I think when it comes to pay gap, it's not about whether you're paid more or less, it's you're paid equal amount for equal work, right? So I think that is still fair. I think in terms of financial products, I will say that in the past, women is always an afterthought. You know, it's always like, oh, um, okay, I need the women, you know. Or even in advertisements, right, it's always like women in, in, you know, in the kitchen and women, you know, peddling like products, right? But now I think it's improving. You know, people make the mistake of thinking that men are the financial decision makers at home. But it's not true. Men may make the investment decisions, but actually women make 70% of the financial decisions. So if you think about it, who buys the, the stuff at home, right? Who, who sends a kid to school? Who, who pays for all these things? It's actually women. So why are we not focusing on educating women? And on top of it, to me, if you educate women and they become mothers, you're going to educate the future generations. Mm, okay. <laughs> Yeah, wow, scared of career wow. suicide. Yeah, very, very scared of career suicide, but yes, yes. There's, there's a, someone told me this thing I thought was quite cute. It's a joke. Huh? So um, <laughs> they say that all oh, men at home, they are the generals. Okay, women yeah. are the majors. You know why? Because men make the general decision. Um, women make the major <laughs> decision. So a lot of finances are really done by the ladies, yeah. right? But uh, exactly like what you point out about the whole pink rapper idea. You know, these days, I think... Um, we've definitely moved forward from the past of all these like discrimination and you know products not focused on women. Now it seems like maybe some of the products too focused on women. They even charge a premium, right? The, which is the whole idea of the pink wrapper. Yeah. You know, what, what are your thoughts on some of this? I, I think some products have to be catered for women. I think, you know, when we spoke earlier, you know, certain things like insurance, right? I mean, women live longer. I, I think there was a report recently that says that the average age of Singapore men is... 
82 and women was like 87 or something, yes, right? Yes. So that's one. And then there are certain things that just afflict women and not men. So breast cancer, for example, you know, um, even things like infertility in women. And I think these are things that it should be catered to women. It should be explained to women in, in a very simple and engaging way. But you should never talk down and, you know, just slap a colour just because you think it's the gender, right? And by the way, not every woman like pink, okay? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, <laughs> pink used to be a men's colour. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, right? For yes. a very long... Yeah, for yeah. a very, very long time. It was the US pop culture that changed pink to become a women's colour yeah. and then blue became a men's colour. It used to be the other way around. Okay. Yeah, I, so yeah, purple used to be a royal men's colour. Only men could wear, you know, it's a royalty yeah. kind of thing. So, then long story, <laughs> so we don't want to go there. Yeah, but do you feel like it is a messaging kind of switch that needs to happen? Or is it like product needs to be focused on, on ladies? I think it's both. Uh, because I also think men is simple understanding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot be, oh, only speak to the women in simple yeah. terms, but the men must be very complicated. No, but know, I, so. I think it goes back to the thing, right? Like, you know, research has shown consistently that men and women, when they invest and when they look for, you know, financial products, they look at it differently and they view at it differently. So, I mean, I always say this, if you ask a group of men, right, um, what do you want? you know, in this year or, you know, what do you, what are you looking for in your investment products, right? And how many percent? And they will say 20%. Most men will agree with that, right? When you ask a woman, the answer is when you ask them, why do you invest? They, you always say, I want to provide for my parents. I want to take care of my children or pay for their university education. So there's always almost an emotional attachment or meaning to it. Whereas I think for men, it's, it's almost a returns kind of uh, view, you see. And I think that is one of the biggest difference. The second difference is I think women, it's a lot, okay, this is a very long I know, I know. explanation, but I guess one is stereotypes, right? And gender stereotypes. So when you're young, especially for people around my generation, you see, uh, I mean, women my, around my generation. Me like millennials, huh? <laughs> I'm the old millennials. Uh. Millennials 20 years, I'm the old one. Yeah. Part, part of the community. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think it's, you know, I think when we were young, you know, you were told you're not good for science, you're not good in math, you mm. know, leave the finances to the men. In fact, even I, when I was growing up, right, they, they always joke. I don't know whether it's a joke, it's like a half joke where you say, just go to university to find a husband, right? Your job is to you make sure you go to university, find a good husband and that's it, you know? So when you grow up like that, it, it's kind of ingrained in you. Even if even as my peers, we, we work hard, we earn more money and we are saving more money, uh, than the generations before us, I think there is still this fear and stigma of taking care of our own money, of investing our own money. And I think earlier, also there's this whole stigma of if I talk too much about money, I, I might seem mercenary or I might seem very... Really? Yeah, yeah. I think in the past, yes. Maybe not now. But I mean, when I first started, my own friends were saying like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what how have you observed that narrative shift? Like what are women concerned about now in the personal finance space? I, I think the conversation has changed a lot. So six years ago, when we were pushing it, it was always like women should take care of their own money. You know, you're earning more money, it's good, but what are you doing with your money? Right? You need to make your money work harder for you. You cannot just save. And women are great savers. Most women are great savers. I think now it has become like hey, I know I need to take charge of my finances. How do I do it? What can I do, right? And what are some of the methods that I can invest my money in? I think the pandemic actually has 
overall, not only women, but overall, and especially I, I noticed this in the younger generation, have made people more conscious about their money, about their spending and their savings. It has brought a lot of, uh, I guess, financial influences, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, what are you laughing? <laughs> it's true, it's true. You know, yeah. I have a lot to say about TikTok influence. Yeah, me too. But, but I guess, I, I think whether or not... Okay, but, but, but we are cutting this for TikTok, by the yeah. way. Just so, so yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, whether or not they're the right type or the right advice is different, right? But I think there is a general... Generally, there's a higher interest in, in personal finance. And to me, that's very comforting. Mm. Yeah. So how do you then sieve out what is good <laughs> information and what oh, is I not make a so lot of mistakes. Yeah. yeah. I've done this for about 15 years, so I, I made a lot, a lot of mistakes. I think um, for me, personally, I, I have gone through, I can't say I've gone through everything because I've never tried like Forex trading, for example, or even options, right? But I personally believe education is key. You need to educate yourself, read as much, understand as much. Um, I think the, the truth is most people when you ask them and, you know, they, they want quick fixes. When people ask, okay, what's your advice? And you say, okay, educate yourself. Learn what you're most comfortable with. So let's say equities, right? Learn the sector, you know, learn what the ratios mean. Learn what, you know, where are the sales drivers and all that. What they want to know actually is, just tell me a stock to buy, which I don't think is right because I always say that for somebody like me, I'm very high risk. I love volatile stuff, you know, I, I don't care. I can a stock can fall, like recently one of my stocks fell 25% and I I don't flinch, right? Mm. But because I've been doing this for so many years, I've been doing it for 15 years. Whereas if I tell you to do that and, you know, you lose 25% in a day, you may not be able to sleep. So I, I think everybody is different. I always think that investing is a, an exercise in knowing yourself. Yeah. So what are some rule of thumbs when consuming information? You know, because I, I get what you're saying. Everybody is unique. Everybody has their own thing. So you want to go and learn, read as much as you can and all that. So I, I get it. But in today's world, it's yeah. a different world compared to the past, right? In the past, there's not, not as much information. Today, it's like, oh, you search tons of things <laughs> out there. right? So how do you decipher what is good, you know, knowledge and what is maybe a little bit more wonky? I think first, everyone has to understand that, you know, there's no quick fixes, Okay. Yes, some people may have gotten rich from the Wall Street bets. <laughs> but this is like once in a lifetime, you know, it, it's a fluke, right? To me, okay, personally, I believe in value investing. I believe in investing in companies that I personally believe in. So for example, like Modena, right? I always thought that it will go up, the stock will go up because, because of the COVID. But I don't have the conviction to invest in it because... I just don't know anything about biotech. I really don't, you know. And for somebody like me, I feel that the pain of loss is greater than, you know, making more money. So I think there are certain principles that have stood the true test of time. You know, to me, it's value investing is one of them. Personally, I don't double things that I'm not comfortable with, that I don't have an advantage in. So for example, I don't do options. I don't do Forex. Just because I... I, I personally don't have an advantage in it. I'm just not smart enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so what are some other... How about you? What are uh, your investing? I mean, mostly equities. Yeah. You know, I'm not in bonds because I don't understand. <laughs> you know, of course, now I know uh, yeah. a little bit more about it, but still not... You're too young to have bonds. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not, really, not really in my space. <laughs> and I'm not concerned about volatility as much. You know, but okay, I just want to put it out there. Not concerned about volatility does not mean can anyhow volatile. <laughs> right? so, 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 world of difference, right? Because mm. 
when someone say they're not concerned about volatility, it, there's an underlying tonality that they understand what they are buying. Yeah. So that's why they're not concerned about short-term volatility. You know, they're perfectly okay to ride it. You know, but yeah, in general, too volatile is not great also. Right? I think that's what you're saying is you're trying to make a distinction between volatility and risk, right? I think in the space, there's a there's a pegging, yeah. right? Vo- more volatile means risky because the underlying belief is consistent returns. Yeah. Right. So on the goal of consistent returns, all strategies, the main risk is volatility, right? So that one is very long. <laughs> long that's dis- another discussion. Yeah, that's a whole another other episode. discussion. Yes, yes, yes. But Please I think, tune in for season three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, yes. But I, I, think, I think I get what you're saying about uh. value investing and, you know, finding the companies that you like. You know, that's the... That's the kind of core. You know, I think it's not only you like, but it's company that you are familiar with. Mm. So some of my friend, my, okay, my friend who is a scientist, she's a female scientist. She invested into Moderna because she used to work with the board. Uh, she used to work there and with the Moderna boss, right? So she totally understands the business, mm. and and she believes in it. You see, but for me, I may believe in it, but I I really have no idea on it. For most Singaporeans, they like REITs because, which I personally don't invest in, but I think it's not a bad investment because you can see the shopping malls. So for example, Capital, and you can actually see the shopping malls, right? You can have a gauge and feel up for it. Yeah, and so I really think it's very important to to have a distinct advantage in, in everything you do, right? Whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's investments, you need to understand what is your distinct advantage? And if you can't find that out, then it's very difficult to be successful to me. How come become life lessons? <laughs> <laughs> well, give, give me a little bit more context. What do you think is your distinct advantage? Okay, so I, I think for me personally will be the US stocks because I've been looking at it for many years and I focus a lot on technology stocks. Well, first, I'm a user. I am very familiar with the fintech stocks because I actually started the Singapore Fintech Association. I have a lot of friends. I understand how the businesses are run. So I look at technology stocks a lot. For example, Facebook, uh, I'm a user. Facebook, Instagram, I'm a user. I'm an advertiser. I understand how they make money. I understand, you know, user growth and all the metrics that they use. So that is something that I look at. The other stocks, for example, that I have for some years is Shopify. I as a small business, I wanted to start an e-commerce store, right? And I used Shopify because it was so easy to to start. You know, anyone can actually start a, a e-commerce store now, right? Whatever you use as a backend. But I was thinking, wow, this platform is going to change the world. And it's going to change everybody's lives, right? Like for t- today, if you don't want to run a podcast, you can sell your merchandise on Shopify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that that is a product that is worth changing, a product that has, you know, good revenue and it's a subscription business. There is skill and the skill is done exponentially. Basically, I don't need to keep selling one product. I can sell 10 products even without me selling. Yeah, so I like businesses like that. So to me, those are the some of the filters that I look for when I invest. Okay, yeah, but 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 just want to caveat that you know this is not oh, a recommendation. Yeah. It's not a financial and, and advice. And it's not a financial advice. Yeah. So yes, please do your own homework and yeah, if you want to learn more, we have another podcast that focuses <laughs> on it. Don't check out the stock geek out. Okay, but I'm sure many ladies come to you right to just kind of ask you about like how do you get started you know in investments and you cannot be telling them you know like, oh, just pick some of these stocks right because as you've pointed yeah. out you got to know what you're good at you got to know who you are you know what 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 is your palette right what you're going for right so 
What would be your framework for these ladies? You mean like if they want to get started? Or? Yes. Okay, not trying to plug the new savvy, but we actually have a framework. You should so- plug, man. <laughs> yeah, really here, right? I really plug you in front. <laughs> it's okay, plug. No, no, yes. but I think one of the first things that we did in the new savvy was we actually have a... E- um, a course for beginners. So we made it so easy for people to learn. Uh, you don't need to find that uh, information. We actually package it. But I always encourage everyone to start with this questionnaire that we did, which is 10 questions to ask yourself. You know, So first is, you know, what is your risk objective? What are you looking for? Why are you investing? Things like that. And it's very, very important to know because again, if you talk about risk tolerance, right? Like I don't know what's yours. <laughs> Mine is really high. You know, but I'm also looking for maximum growth. And that's because I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have family to provide for, you know. So even if I lose the money, I won't really feel the pinch, right? I mean, it will be painful. But for someone, for a lady, for example, who's around my age, you know, most of my friends have two kids or, you know, married. They may not be able to take that kind of volatility or risk. So I think the first thing I will do is to to actually write the questionnaire and to do the questionnaire, the new service, 10 questions, and to really understand yourself. That And when you invest, the first other, the other thing is to actually find out, I think, a basket of stocks that you are comfortable with and to start small. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The worry people have is always like, you know, I want to start and then I'm very scared to lose all this money. But the, the truth is, things have changed. You can buy fractional. I mean, you can do fractional investments now. Okay, When I first started, it was a lot of money. If I want to buy a $3 stock, I have to have $3,000. And as a 21-year-old, that's a lot, a lot of money, right? My, I think I was only paid $600 for an internship. Yeah. One of the days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so, but now you can buy like fractional stocks, right? I mean, if you like high Lao, okay, high Lao is a good, again, not an advice, but <laughs> no, but you know, if you, I mean, so a lot of people like high Lao, right? And if you think that that's a good business, whether it's the great service, whether it's food, whether it's, the, you know, the SOP, then, you know, you can buy a one stock of high Lao. And I think the best way is to start small, dip your toes into it and find out. Anyway, there's no perfect investment. You will always make money and but you'll also lo- always lose money. You'll always make mistakes. Yeah. So make the small mistakes. What are considered small mistakes? So so you know to make money, right? It's not hundred percent wins, right? It's big wins, small wins, and small losses. I think that's very important. So to me, it's very important to have a very clear framework again of what you're looking for. I mean, I have mine, but I don't think it's suitable for everyone. Again, mm, yeah. but you can share with us. Yes. <laughs> can mm. um, because it gives us context, right? Of how, how you see it and, and yeah. all that. Yeah. 
I think mine, again, like it's a few things, right? And this is borrowing from a lot of the value investing. I believe in transformational businesses. So it must be a business that change people, right? Number two, it has to have a unique selling point or what they call the, the mode, right? Whether it, it's like Amazon, whether it's faster, better service, whatever it is. And then it has to be, to me, it has to have increasing profits. And if it's not an increasing profit, then where is the returns of equity in it has to be, I, I like platform businesses, so I don't like, okay, I won't say I don't like, but I prefer platform businesses where the cost of acquiring customer has always, it has to always go down. I cannot just, it's, it's like, okay, if I want to acquire, cost of acquisition is $10. Over the years, I can it cannot keep increasing or it cannot remain at $10. You have to be efficient enough to decrease the cost of acquisition. I mean, these are some of the things I look... We can go on, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But these are very uh, techy ideas, right? You must be in the startup space. You must be, you know... you Yeah, you must know all these kind of stuff. MAU, you know, uh, churn rate, you know, the GMV. You know, those are super technical, right? And and I, I, I get it. I mean, you say that is your, your advantage, right? And for people that are in the space, they will understand this. Okay, I, I think the other thing will also be things like do you believe in the business? You know, do you, uh, a founding, the founder must be there. I mean, if you want the quick and dirty, other criteria will be like, I like businesses that the founders are there and they must hold a, a chunk of the company, you know, because as a founder myself, when your work is, your life's work is tied to it and when your net worth is tied to it, you're going to make the company work. As opposed to say, I think uh, if, I'm a hired CEO. I'm not saying that a hired CEO will not do a good job, but I like founder-led businesses a lot because it's, it's very mission-driven, right? It's very, um, I mean, you look at Zuckerberg, you look at Elon Musk, they're very mission-driven. Yeah. I mean, of course, there are a lot of great companies that are not they are not founder-driven. but oh, course, too old already. Founder move on already. <laughs> <laughs> too old or make too much money? Yeah, at, at, some, at some point, you know, like you cannot have Disney guys still around, right? Can I have Coke guys still around? So, yeah. you know, so some some companies, which no, is I why... I like Disney, for yeah, example. Which is why at some point in time, transition becomes a problem, right? How, mm. Who do you pass to the next, next baton and all yeah. that, right? And we can go on and on about all of that. But, but also, I, I think there are certain things like, to me, uh, red flags, right? So, for example, when, you know, if you IPO or after a while, then the people inside the company are selling their shares. So, you wonder why, right? So, so things like that. So the other th- stocks that I, I I really like, for example, is Razor. I mean, to me, it's uh, I don't know how you see it, uh, but from the start, I've always had it. And to me, I don't think it's just a hardware gaming hardware company. But what they are trying to do is much bigger than that. And what they have is a very captive audience. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, um, I know yeah, that's why I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what they have is a very captive and engaged audience, which a lot of companies do not have. That as a marketer. I think that's an amazing accomplishment to have. Mm, and we can go on and on about <laughs> Razor because I have uh, I have a slightly different thought about it. Okay. Know, because they failed, they failed in multiple initiatives with yep. uh, trying to manage their own hardware ecosystem, trying to develop their own OS, right? So they are still in the peripheral of accessories and, you know, although it's a brand and all that, but other people with bigger money are also coming into the, yep. into the space, right? So that's a, that's a different discussion, you know. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, when I hear what you say, all this stuff, it's very bottom-up, right? So it's a bottom-up investment yep. strategy. You pick your own stocks and all this is a lot of work, you know, a lot of work to, to try to understand the sector, understand, form your framework of how do you evaluate your companies, your five-pointers, ten-pointers, whatever you, right? 
but these days the narrative out there is you know index funds go for broadly diversified low cost you know um, and what is your what is your take on this I agree with that I think that for somebody like me who love it I read finance I, I do this like every day for one two hours I think it's easier for us to have it I will say that I still hold index funds most of my CPF money is actually in endow us in CPF uh and our CPF, right? And I like it because, you know what? I don't need to think, right? It's just there. It has been consistently proven to achieve a certain returns. Uh, you know, will it, it doesn't have a concentration risk also. So, yeah, I, I think I would advise people to start with that too, especially if you don't really want to put in the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever we are saying is very technical. You know, a lot of is these, it? yeah, it's, it's considered a lot of work. You know, it's just, but one, one, one company you try to read the whole sector, read down the multiple major players and, and all that is 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 a lot, a lot. No, that's work. why if you know, for example, if you're a sector, okay, I, I let's say if you're in real estate, you already know who the players are. So for example, if somebody Yeah, that's an assumption, right? Huh? Because that, that's the assumption. But for a lot of people, they retail, you know, they're just trying to like manage their finances a little bit better. You know, all these work is a lot of groundwork, right? To to try to pick up and, and all that. Yeah, which right? is why so, I, I think what you meant what you said is good, like low-cost index funds. Mm-hmm. If, you are, if you really don't have the time and don't think that you have the advantage of picking, then I think buying a broad-based index fund, low-cost, and making sure that you are, remain invested. I think what we forget to mention today is the time invested, right? I, I don't know about you. I don't try to time the market. I don't try to, you know, I don't try to... I try to remain as invested as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you me define a little bit what is called time the market? So the amount of the, the amount of time you're invested into it into a stock, for example, I don't. When I was younger, I, I wanted to make money fast, so I used to trade stocks. So I used to buy Amazon stock, make twenty percent, and I sell. And then today, I think about it. If I had just hold on to that Amazon stock, you know how much money I would have made. It's mm-hmm. like, and then I realized that actually, when you come to investing and you believe in long term investing, I think the best way is to find these great businesses or find an index fun and I, I don't time the market you know and and just hold it as long as you can mm. because I think a lot of research has shown that the time you invest in it and the compounded returns actually make a lot more returns than your actual principal mm. but that one very e- easier said than done right what, what what change in your in your psyche you know because you said that in the beginning you, you, you were yeah. timing <laughs> Very busy. Yeah, that's why I just buy and hold. Actually, I forget. You know, I forget to follow up. <laughs> no, I, I think uh... <laughs> because that's a very real uh, thing that people keep peddling out there, which I understand and I agree with Mm-mm. it because data shows that the longer you are invested, the better it is. Okay. But how do you do it, right? Because you know, twenty percent, thirty percent, or the dip down. How do you how do you stay invested that way? Like like in in your psyche from that point in time when you first started that you will sell because you make twenty percent until where you are today, being comfortable with this being invested idea, right? What what changed? Well, first, I really think it's age. I think when you're young, you're very impatient. And you're very, um, youth is always lost on the young, right? So you always think that, hey, you know, I'm so smart, I can beat the market. I think as you grow older, age and life humbles you. And you realise, actually, you know, maybe it's not me. It's like if you invest in from 08 to now, you're going to make money, okay? And it's not, it may not because be because I'm better or anyone is better than rising tide leaves all, leaves all boats, right? So I think for me, it's 
it's knowing that just precisely because I cannot beat the professionals and I don't have a distinct advantage and, you know, insider knowledge, right? That the best way to do it is to believe in a good index fund, a good company, a good business and just remain invested. And if there is a deep, if there is a strong drop, I ask myself, has the fund, have the fundamentals changed? Is it because the business changed? Is it because the founders changed? Is it because, you know, the, the cost structure changed, right? Or is it because... I don't believe in the business anymore. If it's not, then if I have extra money, I might just buy it, which, mm. it, which really happened two weeks ago. So I bought this company. I really like it. It dropped 25%. I bought some more. It dropped some more. <laughs> mm, mm, and I'm still holding. Yeah. yeah. Please ask me in one year how it does. Yes, I will. I will, <laughs> come, back. I will come back to you on that. Yeah. But you, so you feel like it is just a, it's just an age thing like as you go. Or there's, no, there's no significant thing that happened that shook your view. Okay, it has been shown that most retail investors don't make money, right? 70 or 80% lose money. So I, I think for me, it's age. Number two is also life stage. I used to look at the market every day and if you trade the market, then you need to sleep at four, right? I just don't have that type of luxury now. I look at the business. I think third is also understanding. For me, it's really a deep understanding about the businesses. I want to be a long-term value investor. You know, and I don't want to be just a trader. I know many friends who have made a lot of money from trading. I just don't think that I am smart enough to be one of them. Yeah. Hey, okay, <laughs> and so do you think women have an advantage in value investing? There's a, there's a little bit of a discussion out there. Yeah, I think this. they are because women don't trade as much. Really? Yes. Oh, tell me more. more. Share more. <laughs> okay, I, I think most women, right, they really buy and hold. And that's why for most women, their first investment, actually what women like to buy is property because it's tangible. They see it, they feel safe. And and it's the same for me, right? The reason I got into investing and wealth management is because of because I wanted to buy a property. I wanted to buy a HDB flat for my for my parents. So I, I think for women we tend to not trade as much. Well, first maybe no no time and number two, no interest. So we just end Huh? Not as aggressive lah. <laughs> okay, not me, but I think most women I know. So they, they literally buy and then they hold, you see. Uh, whereas men tend to trade more, right? It actually, going on this, a bit off tangent, but what is important in this actually is because most women, when we invest, we buy and hold, we don't care, right? And I think it revolves around conversation. Men tend to talk more about money and investments. So a lot of ma- male conversation is like, eh, you got buy this so-and-so stocks or not. And then, eh, yeah, yeah, buy this and make don't know what. And then it, there's a lot of trading in between because they want to capture that wins. Whereas I think for us, for most women, I won't say all, for most of us, we'll just be like, okay, I buy this, I'm just going to keep and see what happens in a while. Yeah. Okay, okay. So do you feel like there are certain things that women, like certain mindsets or certain things that women do and that's predominant out there? you know, about their personal finance that you feel like should be kind of shaken a little bit. Like we should reshape the view. Maybe risk adversity, you know, we we talk a little bit about this. I think it's not risk averse or I I think it's more of the lack of confidence. I think a lot of women I know and the smartest, most successful women I know and I know a lot of them who will say things like, I just don't think I'm good enough. Or like in everything, right? It's not even in investment. And, And then I... Always look at them and I just think, if you're not good enough, then who's good enough, man? Like, <laughs> seriously, you're like the smartest super people I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, 
So I, I think for most women, it's an internal self-dialogue that we give ourselves that we're just not good enough. Or we tend to doubt ourselves more. Like, who am I to, you know? So I, I think if you ask me, that's a very big thing that we need to address. And in generations to come, especially for the younger women, that they are good enough and they will make competent investors and they can be in control of their finances. Okay, so what are some <laughs> easy steps to get started? Make all the ladies la. that are listening in the house, you know, it's like, oh yeah, 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 I agree. Huh? I feel not confident. You know, so how, how do I go about building that, that confidence? Also guys also, yeah. Again, the most important thing is to really find out what you're interested in, good in, and just do it. I mean, it's like saying, okay, today, if let's say I want to be a singer, right? I need to go and find out. I just need to take courses, you know, and just try, right? And improve from there. So I think it's the same as investment. Okay, singing is such a bad because I'm tone yeah, deaf, but because I think a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I think my neighbors but, should stop singing. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, singing is bad, but yeah, um, mm. yeah. But I think you, you know confidence. Car okay, people don't have confidence because they don't try. Sometimes when you try, and even if you make mistake, you have the confidence of doing it. It's like cycling, I think. Yeah, maybe cycling is a better analogy. Yeah. So you cycle, you fall down, and then you learn again. And then finally, one day, you just manage to do it. Yeah. And muscle memory, right? Yeah. Okay, okay that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, oh, so I have another reason. I think in terms of investing, women tend to attach reasons and meaning to it, right? And I think that's a very powerful tool. Because for me... Um, when I first started, I was so obsessed with one financial goal, right? That everything else becomes secondary to me. Like I used to save almost like, I think 80, 90% of my pay. Oh my God, you're yeah. like fire before fire. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I was really, I was just very obsessed in working hard, saving all my money. And, and because I was so, I was so consumed by the goal, right? So, so I mean, if going back, I was 21, uh, you know, my parents were, you know, my mom took on a credit card debt, 20k, and I, I, I was like, oh no, I'm the oldest, I have to pay it back. And then we were renting an apartment. This is 07, I don't know if you are old enough, but the rents were going higher and higher. It was, markets were booming, right? And I was like, okay, I might get kicked out of my, evicted from my home now. What do I do? And all I wanted was, I had this crazy dream of wanting to have a HDB flat for, for my family before I was 30. So nine years, right? And then being young and stupid and naive, I googled it and realized that, eh, hey, it's five hundred thousand, you know. How can I get five hundred thousand in, in nine years, right? It's just it's it's an astounding amount. Of course, didn't know you can take loan and all that. And and so, so okay, you're not alone, uh, by the way. Huh? <laughs> a lot of young people when they look at the numbers, <laughs> they didn't know can take mortgage loan, all these things they didn't know. Yeah, didn't yeah. Know. So you yes, you yes. see, so my question okay, so my question to that, right, is that why are we not taught about this in school? Why are we not you know, educated. I mean, there should be a module about this, right? And I really asked myself, you know, how can I, uh, ordinary 21 years old, no talent, no special, you know, I was a very average student, earn 500,000, right? It's even in a few, even in decades, it, it's unimaginable. Yeah. So I did a simulation and I thought if I earn 2005 for my first job and I project it, and then even if at the best savings interest rate, it's going to take me many, many years. Yeah. So I think that was the start of me crazily saving. And also that was a time where I realized very deeply that you need to make your money work for you. Otherwise, it's very difficult to find that, I guess, financial freedom that you're looking for. 
Oh, I, I don't think you have no talent. Uh. You can do simulation, do projections. <laughs> no, right? so, this one is cool. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's cool. Find, it's cool. find a smart guy to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> These days, there are a lot of websites that can do that, right? But, but looking back, I think you've tried a lot of stuff, right? So all the way from where you were, your story, until like now, you have all these different ventures under your belt. You know, what? what is uh, maybe one or two advice that you give all these ladies listening in, you know, in the current situation of the landscape, right? we don't talk about in the past, right? currently, <laughs> you know, ladies just entering the workforce or, you know, a few years into the workforce, what are some core advice that you think they should have? You know, um, don't need to be personal finance yep. related. I think it's very important for you to know what you want, you know, because if you don't have a clear goal, you will never achieve whatever you want. I mean, whether it's in terms of career, in terms of family relationships or even personal finance, right? So I think what people tend to do is they get sucked into the daily life that they don't have a clear goal, you know? So that's one. You need to know what you want. Uh, the other advice I always have for myself since young is never complain and never explain. Yeah, Because, you know, um, so it's never complain and never explain because... A lot of times we tend to complain, but you have no idea how lucky we all are. Yesterday I had a dinner and like one of the ladies were trying to rescue 160 women in Afghanistan who's fighting for their lives. You know, these are university students who are fighting for their lives, right? And, and when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, all my problems seem so insignificant when you think about it. So we, we are very, very lucky, you know, and never explain. I think we live in a very digital world. We live in a world where... It's so easy to say a careless thing about somebody else without consideration. And sometimes you get okay, hurt. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it, it's so irresponsible, right? So I think you don't have to explain to yourself. Whether, okay, whether you want to save all your money or whether you want to spend, you don't have to explain yourself. Yeah, and you just have to do your best. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. <laughs> You're enjoying, we're enjoying. I'm always oh, enjoying. Yeah, we're having a good time. Hey, I hope you've learned something useful today, and I truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconuts. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community Telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. For more information, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week, and remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Okay, so yes, uh, we have three questions to wrap up the day. You know, we ask every single guest uh, these questions. So yes, feel free to answer however you feel you know, it's suitable. right? So one is, what is one core life principle that you hold closely to? Many, huh? <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> it's okay, just pick one. Don't need the best one, just pick one that comes to you and you feel okay, like... I, I think is... having a spirit of excellence. Ah, expand, yeah. expand on this. So, um, it's going to be a bit, maybe a bit slightly controversial, but I think that most people are okay being, say, a 70, you know? Like, it's okay being average or above average, but I think that everyone should have a spirit of excellence. And to have that, you need to find out what you're passionate about and what you care deeply about. I think it's okay to have 30 also. <laughs> you know, in some things, you are 30, you are 20, you are 10. You yeah, know, of yeah. course, of course it's okay. Right, I mean, right. I, I, I subscribe to that. Yes, yes, but yes. I think in a lot of things that matter, you need to have that spirit of excellence. And I think that has been lacking. 
over the years. Yeah. So you think people should strive <laughs> for the maximum? I mean, if that's what you want, yes. Yeah. If that's what you want. Ooh, Don't be a half as anything, I guess. You know, if you want, you, you put... If that is something that you are pursuing, then, you know. Okay, so next. Um, what is a personal finance advice that you feel needs to be further propagated? There are all these things out there. People are saying <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So from your perspective, what is one of the personal finance advice that you feel is like under-discussed and should be further propagated? I think knowing yourself is one thing that is hardly discussed. I mean, you know, it's it's. I think people say it, but it's always a prelude to the main thing. But I think that again, like I said, investing is a great exercise of knowing yourself, your temperament, you know, of who you are, and that is something that people don't pay enough attention to. So, is what is one part of yourself that you feel? You've paid extra attention and it has changed your life. You mean in terms of investing? In life. Like, I mean, you said temperament. You know, you, you, you also talk about how your patience have changed over time. You know, so what is this one thing that you feel like has, uh, you, you know, you have changed? And No, I, I think my biggest mistake in investing, right, is it, it's very stupid, but you know how people know things, but then they still do the stupid things that they are not supposed to do. So that's me. Um, Okay, you're not alone. Eh? <laughs> you know how you're not supposed to hear hot tips and buy stocks? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I did that. And then the stock dropped. Uh, and then I buy some more. And then I bought some more. I think I bought a total of four times and lost a ton of money. Basically, a hot tip about how this uh, fiberglass is going to be have a co- Apple contract, right? And it mm-hmm. didn't happen. The company went bankrupt. So I think one of that is one of the greatest part where while the money... The losing money is very painful. I think it's also a great exercise of myself in, in knowing myself, in you know managing my emotions. Because when I lost this money, I felt a great deep sense of embarrassment and shame. You, you know, it's not only the money, but it's the embarrassment of like, why did I do this, right? And a shame because I knew I was not supposed to do it, and I thought that was a very good lesson in in you know in my journey later on in life or even in, I think, entrepreneurship. Yes. And I think all these stuff, you have to first put a vocabulary to it, right? You must first be able to recognize it. Yes. That you're embarrassed, you're, you feel the shame, then you can work on it. Yep. Yeah. And there are a lot of ways to go about working <laughs> on it, right? So that like is that's great thought. Like going on air and uh, having a therapy session with you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people say you know, it, it feels like it. It feels like it. But anyway, yes. A uh, shout out to all of you that wants to come on there, right? So yeah, uh, just drop your email, huh? Charge one thousand dollar per hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good business. Uh, we, we can work on that. So yeah. so yes. Uh, last question, right? Which part of your life are you giving additional focus on now? I would say I think health and exercise and food. Yeah, because I realized that I used to be an athlete, so I used to run long distance and a bunch of sports. I used to be a soccer captain. And and then I realized over the years, I've just been very inactive. So I have been trying to focus on eating healthier, on exercising more. I just got my personal trainer certification. Nice. <laughs> yes, over the pandemic. Wow, that's yeah. very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, and yeah. You, you've been working on Mrs. Fur. One yeah. of my favorite fur places here. So yeah, yeah shout out to Mrs. Fur. Okay, Yay. cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so awesome. much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.